Well, Happy New Year. Can you believe it? 2022. Thanks, Chris. Welcome to the new year. There were four preachers, and they would meet for breakfast every week, all year round. They would meet every week, and these four preachers would meet over breakfast, hang out, they would talk. One of the preachers said, hey, man, the new year is getting ready to start. You know, and all of our congregations, all of our members, they come to us preachers and they admit their, their weaknesses, things they need to be better at. They ask, them, they ask us to pray for them. And he goes, you know, I know we're preachers and all, but let's, let's do that for each other. You know, we need to become better at things as well. And we need to hold each other accountable and we need to share. You know, we need each other. Let's, let's do what our congregation does for us. And we can start right here over breakfast. And he says that to the other preachers, and the other preachers are like, well, yeah, sounds like a great idea. He goes, I'll start. He goes, you know, I love to play tennis. He goes, I'm a preacher, but I love to play tennis on my downtime. And, you know, I love the game, and I'm very competitive. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys, when I play tennis, a lot of times the ball is like inbounds, but I'll call it out. And I do it very often because I just can't lose a game. I got to win. I'm very competitive. And he goes, so that's, that's my weakness is and something I need to be better at. He goes, I, I, guess, I guess, guys, I, I cheat a little bit. In us. The next preacher's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll share mine. He goes, you know, guys, I love to fish. I show you guys pictures when we eat for breakfast. I'll come and I'll show you my pictures on my phone of my fish I catch all the time. And, you know, I'm competitive competitive too. I like to catch big fish and I like to show them off. And he goes, I, I can become better too. I, I fish in a lot of bodies of water that aren't mine. And they're, it's trespassing. It's illegal bodies of water. And because I know that they're small bodies of water, I can catch big fish really quickly and easy. And it's just, that's just what I do. And so therefore I, I know I'm wrong. That's something I need to work on. I, I don't need to trespass anymore. Third preacher's like, well, you guys know that I love to go to movies. And when I go see a movie, I'll watch the whole movie. And, but I'll keep half of my popcorn in my, in my, my big bowl there. And, and I'll exit the theater. And I'll kind of wander off to another theater. And I'll go inside and sit down and eat my popcorn. I'll watch three-fourths of the movie that just started. And so I got a second movie in, but I only paid for one. And sometimes I'll leave that theater and I'll go and I'll even go into another theater and watch a third movie. And really, I only paid for one movie. And so, I, guys, I guess that's something I need to work on and become better at. It's my weakness is, I guess it's kind of being dishonest and stealing. And it got real quiet. The fourth preacher wasn't saying anything at all. He was just sitting there. And they're like, hey, what's the deal? We all shared something that we needed to work on for this new year. And, and we're, we're holding each other accountable here. We're, we're sharing and we're trying to make each other better. And we've all shared, but you have not shared. Are you, aren't you going to share? He just shakes his head no. He's just real quiet. And he's kind of looking around. And they're like, hey, we all shared. Now it's your turn to share. We're, we're all in this together. We're, we want to we become better. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll share with you. He's looking around. My weakness is I love to gossip, and I can't wait to get out into the community. 
Well, we all have things we need to work on, don't we? It may not be the things I just mentioned. We, we all can become better. We can all there's, all, there's things that we need to work on. And I am so thankful to be at this church, to work under Chris's leadership and the rest of our staff. I'm so thankful to be at a church that believes in missions. There's not very many churches our size that have a full-time missions pastor. And I'm grateful for that. It just tells me that this church believes in missions. That we want to be a witness and tell people about Jesus. I'm so thankful to work with Brennan and Hunter. Um, Brennan, as you know, leads mission. Hunter splits her time between the mission and also the mission work we do locally and, and regionally and far away. And they, we're, we're such a really, we're a good team. I love them and I respect them so much. I feel like that this is a missional church. I do. And to be honest with you, a lot of churches in our state, and being careful how I say this because I don't want to come across arrogant, but it's true. A lot of churches look to us and they look at what we do and they ask questions and they want to become better. And I'm so grateful and thankful for that, not just in missions, but all areas of our church. But I also know we can become better right? We can become better in all different parts of our lives. And so it's not going to catch you by surprise that your missions pastor this morning is going to challenge you through the scripture to become better than we already are when it comes to living the mission life. I hope we never get to the point to where we feel like we've arrived and we know it all. I don't sense that here. And so that brings us to our scripture today. What does the Bible say about the mission life? And that's the new season we're moving into as a church. As you know, each year we do what's called the gospel adventure. And each year that looks differently. I remember one year Chris presented us with the gospel adventure. And that one year he says, I want to encourage you guys to share the gospel with the number of people of your age. It's just a creative way for us to tell people about Jesus. This year, as a staff, we met on, at a staff retreat in northwest Arkansas for two days. And in that two-day period, we really felt like God was calling us just to live the mission life. Moment by moment. Not mission trip to mission trip. Not to mission event to mission event. But moment by moment, we're living the mission life. And so again, that brings us to our scripture today in Acts chapter 1. And so I want you to stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to read, or I'm going to read Acts 1 verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. 
All right, you may be seated. Thank you for that. So basically, Luke, we're looking at, I'm sorry, we're looking at Acts. And um, in this situation, uh, Luke, is, he's a doctor. He's the one that's kind of uh, put this, this, this scripture together. And he, at the beginning in verses 1, actually in verse 1, he says, Hey, Theophilus, there are things I want to tell you about Jesus. Things that I have heard, things that I have seen, things that I have witnessed with my own eyes. And Theophilus, there's not a whole lot of information about him, but scholars believe that Theophilus was a disciple of Luke. And so Luke was investing in him. But scholars also believe that Theophilus invested in Luke. Luke was a doctor, also a good storyteller, really good at listing details in the scripture. Scholars believe that it took him a long period of time to put this scripture together. And so he's saying, hey, Theophilus, there's things I want to tell you and show you. And, and I've witnessed it and I've experienced it. And I want, I want to tell you what these things are. And basically he's saying, you know, Jesus died on the cross. He arose again. And he's saying, Theophilus, Jesus came back during a 40-day period. And he spoke to his disciples in many occasions. And here's some of the things that he said. Here's what happened. And so in the scripture he's saying, this is what Jesus told them. And so I want us to look at three different things Jesus said in this scripture and how we can live a mission life. So that's the question. How can we live a mission life? So looking at the scripture, not my opinion, not the church's opinion, but what does the scripture say about living a mission life? What does that look like and how do you do that? Let's look at what Jesus said. Number one is this. I hope you got your phones, your pens, something to write with, take notes with. There's three things this morning. Number one is this. He says in verse 8, he says, be a witness for me. In our case, be a witness for Jesus. That word witness means to proclaim. It means to announce. And there's different approaches. There's different ways to do that. We'll talk about some of those in, in, on point two in just a minute. Um, but he's saying, listen, he's saying, guys, my time is limited here. I'm going to send the spirit to you that's going to lead you and guide you. You're going to have power. He says, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to proclaim me. I want you to announce to others about me on earth as I head out. I'm going to provide everything you need, but I want you to be my witness, to proclaim, to announce. There is somebody that God has placed in my life over the last two years that has become very special to me. A few of you know him, and many of you don't. You may have seen him here at this campus. He goes to church here now. I'm not going to tell you every detail about his story, but I want to tell you his story, short version. He was born in uh, Bulgaria. His family moved to California when he was tiny, really young. From there, he moved to Louisiana. In Louisiana, he went to middle school and high school. He went to college, got an electrical, electrical engineering degree. From there, he got his first job in Denver, Colorado. Was living in Denver, had a great job. And then COVID hit. He lost his job. From there, he moved to Tulsa. He got a job in Tulsa. 
He had a house. He had a vehicle. Life was good. He started making some mistakes. Started hanging out with some people he shouldn't have been hanging out with. Spending too much time with them. He lost his home. He lost his car. He lost his job. He ended up being homeless. I mean, I'm talking true homelessness. Like on Admiral Street near our Tulsa campus. He told me there are times in the wintertime where he would stay warm at the McDonald's down the street from our Tulsa campus. He said out in the parking lot there was this this grate in the parking lot in the back by the trash dumpster. And he said the warm air would come out of the grate and I would spend time there to stay warm. That's where I stayed warm. And he goes, Keith, believe it or not, a lot of my homeless friends are the ones that started telling me about Jesus and started telling me about the scriptures. Well, due to the mistakes that he made, he had to spend a little bit of time in jail. Prior to going to jail, like I'm talking moments before going to jail, after losing his home, his car, everything he had and being homelessness, he knew that without Jesus, he had no peace. All those other things did not bring him peace. Even though he had them, and it was through losing all of them that he realized it's Jesus that brings me peace. Before he went into jail, this is what he told me. I got on my knees, and I prayed. and said, I'm following you. It's your way, not my way. I'm following you. He goes into jail. He's, He's discipled in jail. He was baptized in jail. He comes out of jail, and somebody invited him to First Baptist Church of Wausau. He came in the front doors of our church, and he put our security team on high alert. He looked a little different, and this is what he would tell you. Dressed all in black, long black hair, dark sunglasses. What's going on, right? Little did we know that there was a great heart. Somebody that chose to follow Jesus and start life all over again. Joined a Bible study group. Started helping with disaster relief ministry. Helping after the hurricane in Louisiana. Helping after the ice storm in Oklahoma City. Went on the New York City mission trip. Megan, you were there. Pam, you were there. On the mission trip, we're in the Bronx helping Jordan and Becky build relationships with the community because they're starting a church in the Bronx. And we're hanging out in the Bronx, and I believe it was me and Megan and and, and, uh, Anton. That's Anton's his name. We were hanging out. We were a team, and our goal for that day was to go out into the community and to strike up conversations with people, get to know them. We asked them questions like, what is it about your community that you love? What is it that you would change about your community? Do you go to church in the community anywhere? If, if so, where do you go? If not, there's a church over here they're starting. We'd like to invite you, and we would strike up conversation and look for opportunities to tell them about Jesus. So, uh, you know, I like to eat. I like snacks. Charlie, I like snacks. And I'd been there a few times. And I knew there was this bakery right down the road from where I was at. 
And I thought, we got to go there. And so I said, I think it was Megan and Anton. We got to go. We got to go. I want to treat you guys to this incredible bakery. We got to get some pastries and cookies and this and that. We walk in the store and Megan and I are looking at the pastries we're pointing. I said, man, that one's good and this one's good. And she goes, I think I'll have that one. I said, I think I'll have that one. Anton, what do you want? Anton's not even, he's not even in the store. And I look outside and he's talking to some stranger on the side of the street telling him about his story. We did a workplace mission trip, meaning wherever you work, be intentional at building relationships with people so that you can share the gospel with them. It's a two-week mission trip. We did it last May. Anton says, hey, I'm in. I'm an electrical engineer, but I'm going to do that. And so he did that. And one day he's up in an attic working on something, and he texts me and says, hey, pray for me. I'm going to talk to my coworker today and tell him my story. He's up in an attic texting me, telling me that. Just a couple of weeks, he sends me a picture through a text. It's a passport he just got in the mail. And he says, I'm ready to go to Mexico at the end of January on a mission trip. Anton is an incredible example to me and to you and to our church when it comes to the mission life. He is truly a witness for Jesus. Proclaims, announces to everybody, not in a weird way, but just in a natural, supernatural, organic way of just through relationships. He tells people about Jesus and his story, his life. He is a witness to what Jesus has done in his life. That's point number one is he's calling us to be a witness for him. Acts twenty two fifteen, he says, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and you have heard. So I have a question for you. In 2022, will you choose to be a witness? To proclaim Jesus, to announce Jesus. Name the way, the creative way that's between you and God. Will you choose to be a witness? That's point number one. Point number two, here's something else I noticed about the scriptures here. There's three things that he shares with us in this scripture. The second thing is this, be a witness for Jesus here, there, and everywhere. Now, in actual scripture, it says, he says, the Spirit will come upon you, in verse 8, the Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in, number one, in, Ju- in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. At that time, Jerusalem was their city. That It was their town, their city. He said, I want you to do, I want you to be a witness in your city. And at that time, Judea and Samaria was like their state, Judea was their state, and Samaria was like the state over from them. So it's like their region. And then he says, and also be my witness to the ends of the earth. That means really, really far away, whether it's across a border or across the sea. At that time, we, they didn't know. But just everywhere, be a witness. We have kind of renamed that just so we can kind of remember it and catch it. And we call it here, there, 
and everywhere. Here being local in a Wassel area, there being the state of Oklahoma and actually in the United States, and then everywhere is across the border and across the seas. So we need to be a witness for Jesus here, there, and everywhere. I want to take a moment to share with you the ministries that we do and that we're a part of or that we partner with here, there, and everywhere. They're going to be on the screen. You can also find these on your church app. List them on our church app. And we're always making changes and tweaking it. We'd love for you to check out our church app. It'll fill you in on everything that we do. First of all, let's talk about what do we do here in the Owasso area. We have ELL every Wednesday night in the fall and spring semester. Right over here in our education building and also at the Tulsa campus, we teach English and we also teach Spanish to people that need to learn English and need to learn Spanish. Through that, we build relationships for the purpose of being a witness and proclaiming Jesus to them. There are, some, there are some semesters where we will have 15 countries represented, people from 15 different countries right over here in the hallway being taught English from all over the world, and they live right here in Owasso. At the Tulsa campus, we have many people from all, the, all over the place, and we're teaching them English. We're also teaching them Spanish. We also have our car care clinic. Once a quarter, we have a car care clinic at Pinnacle over off Main Street, and we actually help people that need minor car repairs. And we have people in our lobby that are church members. They hang out in the lobby, and they just hang out and visit with people that are getting their cars worked on. They look for opportunities to share their stories and to pray with them, to be a witness. We have the mission. Many of you are familiar with the mission. Brennan and Hunter and Tracy and the other volunteers do a wonderful job at the mission. Let me tell you what they've done in 2021. 1,385 grocery carts of food have been given out to families in the Wausau area. That's, that's representing 4,623 individuals, 228 new clients in 2021. We provided food for 45 shut-ins that can't get away from their home, whether it's they're handicapped or whether they're older and just they, they don't drive yet or that they can't drive, we provide for them. 53 requests from families who need used or gently used pieces of furniture that we've helped. 290 prayer phone calls. When a client comes in, we ask them, how can we pray for you? We document that. A week later, two weeks later, we call them back and say, hey, how can we continue to pray for you? When you were here, you mentioned you had this request. Can we continue to pray for you? 290 prayer phone calls. And then this year, there was three decisions for Christ at the mission. They're open three days a week. They'd love for you to help at the mission. We also partner with Mike Henry and his ministry called Follower of One. Mike Henry was a businessman, and it used to frustrate him that churches, not necessarily this church, but churches would say, you need to be a missionary, pack a bag, go to Africa, go to Cambodia. Those are great things, but he would always say, well, what about us who have to work? We have to work every day. We can't, we can't go and travel all the time. And so he created a ministry, ministry called Follower of One. And basically, it's be a missionary where you work. And so he's created this ministry. Let me read some stats. for This is pretty cool. 450 individuals have been on this workplace mission trip across America and other countries. Seven, four, 745 trips have happened, and 10 countries have been represented in these mission trips. They're not packing bags. They're not going anywhere. 
They're just going to work in a two-week period saying, I'm intentionally going to build relationships with people for the purpose of being a witness. So we did this last May. We had 35 of our church members that were part of that. Police officer, fireman, nurse, an educator, IT person. It was beautiful to see the different careers that were a part of this mission trip. You'll have the opportunity to be a part of one of those here soon. You're going to be hearing more information about that. We have salt and light ministry. Knows Terry Wortham is here. He has a heart for the homeless. He started a ministry in September called Salt and Light Ministries. They do it in the parking lot of our Tulsa campus where they minister to the homeless. They want to, their goal is to help the homeless take that next step to getting out of homelessness. And for many of them, that's helping them get their social security card or to get their driver's license or to get their birth certificate so they can actually move forward in life and get a job and, and get more help. They, help. they help them with finding housing. They give them clothing, um, military benefits and snap cards, and they give them haircuts. And it's a great ministry, and it's all for the purpose of looking for opportunities to be a witness and to share the gospel. That's on Thursdays, every Thursday, 1 to 4 at our Tulsa campus. Voice of the Martyr Ministry, it's a worldwide ministry in Bartlesville. We take our senior adults there, and they are actually helping in the warehouse of putting together these magazines that are sent all over the world. And these magazines tell people how they can pray for believers that are facing persecution and also how they can come to know Christ. Fifth grade mission trip, junior high mission trip. That's what we do here locally. We'd love for you to be a part. And then also, what do we do there? What do we do regionally? We have our senior high mission trip, which is in Donna, Texas. It's on the border of Texas, Mexico. We'll be going spring break with our high school students. We partner with Becky and Jordan Salceda. They're starting that church in the Bronx. We'd love for you to go on our mission trip this first week of May to the Bronx. You're invited to go. Also, we have disaster relief when after a hurricane, a fire, a flood, um, we go in after and we help people. We feed and we pray for them. Sometimes it's a chainsaw crew. If you're 18 or older, you can be a part of disaster relief. That's what we do regionally. And then everywhere, that's far away. We do Nicaragua, we do Mexico, and we're looking for a new partnership through the IMB and through gym ministries in Europe. And so I'll be there uh, the 13th through the 20, 22nd, I believe, and we'll be looking for a new partnership in Europe. Europe is very, very dark. It's changed over the years. But that's what we do here. And I want to make sure that you understand. I'm not asking you just to pack a bag and go far away. I'm saying we're at a church that encourages you to be on mission moment by moment, not from activity to activity, not from event to event, but moment by moment, your home, your work, everywhere you go. Be a witness for Jesus here, there, and everywhere. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Point number two, be a witness for Jesus here, there, and everywhere. Number three, the last thing I noticed in this section of the scripture. Number three is this. He's asking us to be, to be a powerful witness for Jesus. What that means is that 
you accept the call to be used by God, you're an instrument, he wants to use you, but you're stepping out of the way and you're allowing the Spirit to lead you. He told the disciples in this passage, wait, I'm going to send you the Spirit, and then you're going to be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. He goes, you cannot do it without the Spirit. The Spirit will lead you, the Spirit will guide you in your conversations, where you go, your approach, however you choose to be my witnesses. Wait on the Spirit to lead you and guide you. And so it's getting behind him and allowing him to lead you as you're a witness. Don't ever do that on your own. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 5. Listen to this. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing, nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And this is, listen to this part. He's in my speech. And my message were not with plausible words of wisdom. Some versions say persuasive. Because they weren't words of plausible words of wisdom. But it was in demonstration of the spirit and the power. So that your faith may not rest in wisdom. It may not rest in men. But it rests in the power of God. And when we step back and let God lead us to do ministry and to be his witness, it's not about us. They're not placing their faith. They're not placing their life in us. They're placing their life and faith in him. We're just the utensil. We're the, we're the messenger. That's what he's telling the disciples at this point. I'm going to send you something very powerful. You've got to tap into that. You've got to use that. Don't do that on your own. I'm going to send it to you, and I want you to be my witness. Ten years ago, I was the student pastor here, and we would challenge our students to reach their friends or their family for Christ. We encouraged them just to find one person, not your whole school, it's not very tangible, let's be, let's be tangible, find just one person, and ask God, God, send me to somebody, or you know, make it known to me of just one person I can invest in, build a relationship with, and get to know for the purpose of being a witness and proclaiming the gospel to that one person. Not a project, not something to mark off, but a true relationship, a true discipleship opportunity. We challenged them with that. Scriptures like this one and other scriptures, we challenged the students to do that. One student has... His name is Jonathan Beisel. He's now an adult, travels all over the world, has a great job, cares for his family, cares for his friends. At that, at that time, Jonathan was a student in school. And God led him to a young man, and his name was Ismael. And Ismael was very shy. He would never look at you in the eyes. He would always look down. 
Jonathan built a relationship with him and got to know him and invited him to come to church. He started coming to church, and then there was a group of Jonathan's friends that also rallied around him. And they began to love on him and accept him and pulled him into their group. And now they're all friends, and he's active in the church. And he's starting to look up, eyes open. He's got confidence. He was invited to go to camp, and while he was at camp, he gave his life to Christ and chose to follow Christ. Comes back home, he gets more involved in the church. Part of Sunday morning and Wednesday night, goes to mission trips with us. Goes to Super Summer Leadership Camp with us. Well, they all graduate. Everybody goes their different directions. Ismael's doing his thing. Jonathan's doing his thing. He actually did some chef, chef uh, schooling and started working with some IT work, computer work. And about three weeks ago, he got really, really sick. Went to the hospital. Joe and I had the opportunity to go visit with his mom. And she made it clear that that moment right there changed his life forever. Accepting Christ, being baptized in Joe's backyard in a swimming pool. She said it changed his life. And he talks about it all the time. If you go back and look at his social media, Ismael does nothing but talk about his friends at the church. He talks about the church. He talks about his youth pastors. He talks about Joe and Brennan and Gator and Johnny Mack, Danny Brown, his Sunday school teacher, and all his friends. He was so proud of all of them. The day after Christmas, he passed away, and now he's in heaven. Thank God for Jonathan Bison. Obeying the call to be a witness, to be a witness to someone that God would lead him to. Thank God for those group of boys that rallied around him and they witnessed to him through their actions and through their approach and through their receiving of him. And I love Galatians 5, through 23. Listen to this. Some of you know this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what Ismael experienced. And he loved it. I'm thankful for Jonathan Bicel obeying the call to be a witness. As a result of that, Ismael had a relationship with Jesus on earth, here in Owasso, in this church, in his school, all the things that he did. And currently, as we speak right now, he has a relationship with Jesus in heaven. Thanks to the obedience of Jonathan and those kids saying, I obey the call 
to be a witness, to proclaim, to announce to others what I've experienced and what I've seen in my life about Jesus. And there's so many ways to do that. I'm so thankful for our new student pastor. I call him new. He's not new anymore. I'm so thankful for Andrew, who now has come up with a really creative way for students to reach their friends. And he's going to be laying that out and revealing that to them at Elevation Weekend. We continue as a church to teach the next generation how to reach their friends for Christ. Adults, are we a witness for our coworkers, our relatives, everywhere that we go? I believe our church is doing a great job with missions, but we can always become better. We can always tweak. And as we move into this new year, let's choose to be a witness to be a witness here, there, and everywhere. Most importantly, be a powerful witness, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our challenge to you today. Let's do that as we move into 2022. The invitation has two purposes today. One, it's for the believers, those who choose to follow Christ. My encouragement to you is to, during invitation, even as we speak, even as you go home today, to ask the question, God, in what way do you want me to be a witness? I know I am supposed to be a witness, but in what way am I supposed to be? What does that look like? God, show me in the days to come of how to be a witness moment by moment through an activity, through an event, through a ministry. What does that look like to me, God? And that looks different for everybody. So the invitation is for our believers. And it could be that today, through the story of Anton, who's over here, I love you, Anton. It could be that through Anton's story and through Ismail's story, you've realized and recognized that that's what you need to choose for your life. It's only through Jesus that you have hope and peace that you need to make a commitment to him and to live for him. I want you to know you can do that today. You can do it during the invitation. You can come and talk to me as I will be standing down here. You can catch me afterwards. You can call one of our staff members or somebody else in this congregation this week and just talk with us. Let us know. We'd be glad to talk with you about that. But let's stand at this time. Let's have our time of invitation. Let's begin to pray. God, how can I be a witness? What does that look like to me? And then I'll be down here if you'd like to talk and visit.